Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Do it. I'm so ready. We paid sweet potato all that money. It was inside us all along. And we just could have just done that. Hey, sweet, it's your cousin Hottest. Hottest potato? You know that new sound you've been looking for? Check out this. No, 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 no. Plus 100s and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast where something good is going to happen to you. <laughs> and we also occasionally talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Andrew McDonald. Hey, David. Hey, man. Uh, Adam Buncher. I don't believe that something good will happen for these listeners. <laughs> like, if they know, that is so if they, Oh, come on. We know that this is I a harsh podcast. bad would happen. You're not the mean one, though. You're not the, the villain. F- Mate, the first star of you speak for themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't so. mind them speaking a little louder. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> That's shit like that. You know, <laughs> this is what I'm talking oh, yeah. about. <laughs> and to top it all off, Nathan Harrison's here. Hi. Hey, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. That's good to hear. You want to feel even better? Sure. And number 45. This is Enter Space Capsule. And it's by a little band by the name of G-E-R-L-I. Yeah, you know what to do. No, <laughs> I don't. The bit at the start of the song that goes G-E-R-L-I-N-G. We've been listening to different versions of the song. What? The fuck is that? That's scaling in its bad capture. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Hashtag not my interspace <laughs> capsule. <laughs> okay. This is the this is the one that got in. Oh, oh this, this is the radio disco remix. This is the version they put out as a single. Cool. Okay, let's let, let's do this as best we can. <laughs> So welcome back. Uh, this is uh, Girling with uh, Enter Space Capsule coming in at number 45 in the 1999 Hottest 100. Now, to give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, there are apparently four different versions of this song. And, 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 and One for each one of us. Yeah, yeah. Have been so good. Oh, we should have all yeah. reviewed it. Uh, oh, God, could you imagine? But nowhere... 
that we saw, and we're astute professionals, but we couldn't find, figure out which version to prep for. So we all, like, Nathan, Adam, and I looked at the... Version from the album. The, like version, the, album. the yeah. version from the album, yeah. which, which sounds like this. We got Malocode. To coin yeah. a phrase, yeah, we got Malocode. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so mm. this was for me. I found out that there was another version. Yeah. Indeed, three mm. other versions of Enter Space Capsule, different to the one that I grew up so with. So actually, you got Malocode, we got reverse Malocode. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. And the irony is that when we did Maloko, none of us got Maloko. Yeah. yeah. But this has turned into an interview format where the three of us are just asking questions about the original song to, to yeah. David. Well, not uh, the so, original song. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The remix, yeah. So I'm happy to take questions from the floor. Okay. Um, tell us about Girling. Uh, Girling were a Sydney based weirdo electronica outsider garage weirdo, often genreless group fronted by a guy named Darren Cross, who has gone on to several solo projects and different bands over the years. Uh, including a band called Betty Ayres that he was in for a while. He's also in an alt-country duo called Jep and Depp. Also, uh, a member of this band was Burke Reed, uh, American-born, Australian-based multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and producer, uh, who has gone on to make albums with people like DZ Deathrays and Beck Sandridge and, like, a bunch of people around the place. Like, he is a very, very prolific uh, producer these days. Yeah, so quite different to the stuff he was doing back in the day. But, uh, yeah, girling for about a decade or so, were one of the strangest and most genre-pushing bands around. Going from stuff like this to Who's Your Daddy to Dust Me Selector and back and forth again, they kind of knew no bounds in terms of genre and were always putting on really funny and weird and eccentric live shows. Uh, their gimmick for ages was that they wore backpacks on stage. Cute. Um, yeah, yeah nice. it was pr- pretty and cute. And also practical. Yeah, right. If you, if, yeah, if you need anything, it's right you there. Need a, like new cable or some kind of adapter in your backpack. Snacks, <laughs> snacks, snacks, yeah, snacks for the middle of the show. Sometimes yeah. shows are really long, and yeah, totally. You want some, yeah. Uh, Chippies. So they were, yeah, very uh, extravagant performance, but uh, sadly they split up, I think, about 2004, 2005, and I don't believe they've gotten back together since. They, they've all busied themselves with other projects since, but uh, similar to Tism, we all hold out hope for a reunion at some point. Okay, cool. Uh, are there any other questions? Do you fuck with this song? Hugely. Mm. Uh, insurmountably. Insurmountable fuckage. Yeah, like... <laughs> beyond fuckage like I have loved this song since I was eight or nine years old and I heard it for the first time like I'd never heard anything like this as a kid something capacious something kajunga something just beyond you know like I was just so enamored and so excited by this stuff as a, as a kid and like I have loved this ever since I think there's just something about the way that the break beats and the use of vocoder and those drilling synths that go through the whole thing and the little samples of string arrangements and preachers and like other weird bits and bobs through the whole thing oh and that unmistakable chipmunk hook through the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) but there's something I think there's something really cool about that stuff and like the spelling out of girling and what it's a real like childlike joy it's so catchy to all all those like pop samples you have no many ideas how many times I fucking walked past Darren Cross on the street in King Street or whatever and just 
just resisted the urge to just scream that at him. Just G-E-R-L-R-N-G. But I think that's a really beautiful interplay between experimenting with all these sounds and pushing pop music, particularly at this point in time, to like something new, but also having that real sense of joy. I think the avalanches are about to do that really well in a couple of seasons' time. But like, that's cool. And I think no wonder like it really clicks with you when you're really young, because it's just like it makes those unusual sounds really palatable and really easy to like enjoy i just want to so just like i guess to complain about the way the information is recorded on the internet so the mm. triple j website doesn't have the remix after the name of the song after mm. the name of the song nor does the wikipedia page for the hottest 100 if i go to the girling page mm. and look at the singles it says that the radio disco remix was released in 2000 and the non-remix song was released in 99 and it says that that's the one that charted and that's the one that's in the hottest 100 yeah so this is yeah like i no no no, no other way maybe you have actually been maloco <gasps> bullshit that's what it says the, here because th- this remix came out in 2000 yeah that can't be right it's on the same record it's on children to telepathic experiences. No, the the album version. The album version is is the one that we listened to. It, it just says the single was released in two thousand, and the girling singles section says that the non remix version is what is in the hottest one hundred. This is wild. There is no fucking you. You listen to that remix. There's no way that the original version would have done better than all these other songs. No, but it came out in the a year It was before. released later, it sounds like, as a single. If, if you put the two songs, it's like one of them clearly fits better in the Hottest 100 and it's the remix. But yeah. this is saying that it didn't. Hey, Coma by Pendulum. That is an ambient song from an ambient band from Perth. From an ambient time. <laughs> that, that charted crazy high in a yeah. previous countdown. The precedent is not unheard of for there to be an ambient electronica song making it up fairly high. Yeah. So I think we just have to say that we simply do not know. We've I got some theories. Knows. And this yeah, is and exactly it. We're going to appeal to the, the knowledge that's out appeal there. Appeal to the five-star reviews. Uh, come on. On. On, on. on the Discogs page for them. Uh, Children of Telepathic Experiences has three different releases. The initial one on Reliant Records from 98, a, a reissue later that year with the same catalogue number, and then a, a one from Infectious Records that came out in 2000. And that one had the features the, ra- the, the last track on there. Is, is the there remix. What the fuck is going on here? This is wild. It is wild. This, this is, is really... This, this is, is some live podcast. This is a podcast first, guys. This is very exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, look, one thing I will say, regardless of which version of this particular song it is, their first single, Death to the Apple Girls, right? Go and listen to that one. Sounds a little bit like this. That is from the same band. And I think that's worth bringing to attention when talking about girling. Like, this is a band that is doing, like, straight-up garage indie rock at the same time as doing, evidently, multiple different versions <laughs> of, like, electronic stuff. And those are kind of living side by side. I don't know a lot of other bands that go as ham for both of those genres simultaneously. Like, how do you deal with that in terms of, like, marketing your band and finding, like, a fan base? That's yeah. uh, That's... Something that like, really sticks out to me with this band. Um, and something else that I think is worth pointing out in terms of trivia for this particular song. I don't know what version she heard, but <laughs> Kylie Minogue heard a particular version of this track. 
and it inspired her to work with Girling on a later song, which goes by the name of G House Project in 2001. Yeah. Cool. Super cool. I mean, I think this is all just great. It, 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 I, I'm so confused. To put a spin on the fact that we were not able to research the song for the fucking podcast. Although we did, but we all came to yeah. like opposite conclusions. Yeah, this um, is why I say you shouldn't promise good things for people. I think this is a good thing. I've got the music video up, and it's for the remix. Mm. So, which literally just says "Girling Enter Space Capsule." Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So this is saying it came out in 98, so I, d- I don't know who or what the fuck to believe anymore. This is blowing my fucking mind. This is some Berenstain Bears shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is the girly, It's the girling up. effect. Oh my, it's going to be so fucking wild if, now that we've put it out there, if we get different answers <sighs> coming back. Yes. Like, that is, that is like, fuck your bears, fuck your Mandela... Like, that is Whoa, definitive. He was a, he was a, he was a hero. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my God. He was a hero. The way he looked after his family and his wife and the Bella Bears. <laughs> this, this is it. This is like, I would be on side with, like, there being a shifting universe based on this song. Because <laughs> that's more likely yeah. than uh, 20-year-old information is unclear and we haven't done enough research. If anyone remembers the 1999 countdown and can point us in the direction of which of these four fucking versions of the same goddamn song made it into the Hottest 100 on that God-given day, please fucking let us know. Slide into our DMs. We'll buy you a drink. Yeah, <laughs> Christ almighty, because this is, this is doing my head in. This is great. I want to say, if it isn't the remix that made it in, really cool that like a really kind of subdued ambient track like that made it into this countdown. Totally. Um, It's really understated. Maybe it's too understated. Mm. It just kind of doesn't get to the point that you think it's going to, but I think it's still really lovely and the textures there are are really beautiful. In the album version. In the album version. Yeah, Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that's nice if it's in, and, and it's not something I would expect, and, and I didn't expect, you know, listening, I was like, it's weird that this was in. Maybe yeah, it so, is weird. So <laughs> whichever version, like, good on you, girling. Yeah. And if it was the remix, good on whoever remixed it. <laughs> I, I feel like um, no version is bad, at least. That's it. They're, yeah. all, they're all pretty good. Oh, I, I think I one's pretty fucking superior, just quietly. Yeah. Do you, do you perhaps have 20 years of nostalgia helping colour this vision, David? Oh, no! <laughs> the album version I remember listening to, I remember thinking like, oh, I, I thought it was going to be a bit more. And then we heard the remix. Like, this is what I thought it was going to be like. Right. Yeah. But what was the response to what? Who what, knows? You know? <laughs> Personally, I blame Maloko. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and Mandela. The big two. <laughs> Hey, that were a hero. That song was very good. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Uh, I also have um, a bit of spicy meta f- fact. Oh, a God. Sp- a sp- more meta than everything that we just experienced? No, it's, it's about the countdown. Uh, uh-huh. This song starts off a run of Australian songs uh, that is the longest run of songs in a Hottest 100 by a single country until it is matched in 2012. Wow. Oh, wow. How, how long? Eight songs, baby. How big is it? Eight <laughs> songs, including this one. We've got seven more Australian tracks to go from here. Well, let's not waste any more fucking time. At number 44, this is something for Kate with... <clears throat> Electricity! I wonder which version of this song is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the fucking acoustic version. 
Electricity! <laughs> Electricity unplugged! <laughs> <laughs> Which means it doesn't work! Took it back to the good guys, cause I had it under warranty! Oh, good grief. Good that guys. Yeah! <laughs> Fuck me dead. Something for Kate making their triumphant return to the Triple J Hottest 100 with the definitive and singular and only version of the song Electricity from the album Beautiful Sharks. Now, Andrew. David. Last time we spoke about something for Kate uh, with their singular one album only, uh, you know, Beautiful Sharks. There is no other album called Beautiful Sharks. They didn't make multiple versions of the same fucking song. So thank you something for Kate for doing that. Last time we talked about them, you were just like, hey, I should probably get more into something for Kate because every time we talk about them, this is pretty good. <laughs> I uh, do. Nathan has just pulled up another album called Beautiful Sharks. Uh, who's it by? <laughs> uh, Keith Canisius. Uh, Can we hear a bit? Play Rain and Dark. I wish there was a song called Electricity. Could you imagine? <laughs> uh... Electricity... <laughs> That's so bad. That's all right, Keith. I might check yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds like gentle save. Drop. <laughs> 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 now, as I was saying, Andrew, David. Now that we are talking about yet another something for Kate song, mm -hmm. has your position changed? How do you what? feel about this song? And now, as a whole. This band, now you know a little bit more about them by learning about one more song. Indeed. Um, well, I want to say um, this is a Something for Kate song that I definitely recalled hearing, obviously. It was a yeah, huge Yeah, this is hit. my first Something for Kate song. That makes lots of sense. I think probably mine as well. I want to say what um, Paul Dempsey said about the song. And he said, um, I wish sometimes that I was a pulse of energy. I'm always moving too fast for myself. Nothing's happening quick enough for me. I've always got about 500 things that I want to be doing. That's the thing about electricity. I want to anticipate things before they happen. It's about movement, energy, and speed. Wanting to be a pulse of energy... That than being constrained by physics and flesh and bone. And I remember hearing this song and not really vibing with it. And i got to say, looking back now, I'm more sure than ever that I am a smarter person now than I was then. Because listening to this in preparation for this podcast, I don't know how I didn't love it. Mm. It's, it's, mm. it's fucking wonderful, man. Yes, like, yes it is. Like all, all of my conceptions that I established for some reason about something for Kate are absolutely crumbling. Every time I hear them, I'm loving them more. This song is terrific. The chaotic nature of it all, the t song title works perfectly for it because it feels like this, like, writhing mass of energy that, like, isn't really constrained. And, like, it gets it's just a little bit messy before the chorus kind of thing and his voice is so strained even by his standards. Uh, it's a wonderful piece of rock music. But also the way it paints time yeah. in, in this song is very, very interesting about moving so fast, potentially, that he, he's talking about seeing people in cars and seeing it as in broken glass that hasn't broken yet. Yeah. Like, all these ideas of you know being in a moment in time it's just like it's very very clear and this is true i was reading an interview that was mainly about paul dempsey's love of quantum physics but he's like a massive science yeah. geek yeah and right. that he's writing from a point of view of quantum of physics yeah, he, I, 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 in I, I, this song yeah, it's quantum relativity right like that's exactly yeah, yeah he's not writing his time as being constant yeah. in this song time now is fluid yeah now in between living and arriving i can try to digest this sequence of events yep and like, it sounds like multiple things happening at once. Like, it doesn't sound like a linear thing. It sounds yeah. like things collapsing all around you in, in, you know, different ways. It's beautiful, yeah. 
Yeah. It's funny to look at um, the through line between the, like, the emotional content we discussed in hallways about being in between places and then this song uh. being like even further removed from the notion mm. of established like temporal definite, right? Like, yep. I need to listen to the record. And if you want to get better at songwriting, uh, maybe study some physics. Yeah. I'm super stoked that I was wrong about something for Kate. Like maybe you're just at a point now where you're you're more receptive to those kind yeah, of perhaps. ideas, or you're yeah. receptive to being in your head enough. Yeah. Like when you were younger, you're in a punk. Yeah. That's that's visceral. It's not an intellectual joy. Not inward. It's a it's a bodily. It's a yeah. felt joy. Whereas something for Kate, I think like you feel it, and it's, there's definitely emotional elements, and the songwriting is wonderful. But I think that is all cemented when you get the intellectual element it's why at the time something for kate were kind of known and this wasn't a term that they used for themselves but other people used it. it's like oh they're a thinking man's rock group mm. they're doing thinking man's rock I- imagine mm. applying that to yourself <laughs> well yeah the I mean, size he, of your balls yeah 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 which is why they didn't but at the yeah. same time they did have a reading list on their website fucking cool though whatever he- um, heaps, of, heaps of don delillo books on there. yeah nice which is like <laughs> yeah. all right cool yeah. i'm on board yeah. Man. Um, but also the communist manifesto guys oh I'm even more involved with these guys um, <laughs> like as much as there is so much emotional there I really love just before he breaks into the repetition of saying electricity in the chorus like the band are like crashing over one another yeah, yeah, it yeah. all just like kind of tumbles into itself and then the chorus happens and yeah. I think that's it's fucking so exciting Clint, man just fucking the drumming is brutal in this oh it's so good yeah wonderful fucking song yeah that gets hard Just it's just so just yeah buzzing and electric and just for a band that you know became pretty popular off a lot of lot more like restrained and emotive songs like monsters and three dimensions and stuff like that it was so weird that this was my introduction to something for kate it's like a baptism by fire i've always loved this song when i heard it as a kid i was just like it's just it was so intense and i was just so excited by it and like every time i've seen them play it since including one time at unibar with Lindsay mcdougall doing the lead guitar part which was fucking tight as hell just been absolute fucking joy to see them play this yeah it just thrives off this unbridled energy and i get so so much out of it even like paul dempsey who's at times you know can be very quiet and reserved and stuff like that he's ripping into it here he he might as well be screaming in parts you know which is very full-on and like i love that side of something for kate and to be honest i wish they kind of explored it a little bit more I think it's as close as Paul will get to a scream. Yeah. Like, even though he is, like, a throwback, like, punk dude. Yeah. yeah I reckon he totally knows how to do it. Yeah. He, he could, could do it. Something for Kate could have been the biggest Scrams man in the world, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for that. They chose books instead. <laughs> Visit your local library today. <clears throat> they've got CDs you can borrow there <laughs> it's true something for Kate sometimes they've got an Xbox set up I've definitely borrowed a something for Kate what CD for library the library has an Xbox tons of libraries have yeah them. lots of new libraries have like, video game things up so game man. consoles now really it's true they're commu- you can play they're, Fortnite yeah. they're, they're community centres and they're one of the last places in the world where you can just go and not be expected to spend money and for people who haven't got a place to go young children it's a very valuable resource for them to go there and be able to just distract themselves with a video game for a few hours well hell yeah libraries support yeah. sponsored yeah. by libraries, libraries and today. librarians yeah. are the best yeah. Yeah. libraries and librarians fucking whip ass yeah. dude you need to study for like heaps long to be a librarian I know one of our very dear friends is one of these people uh huh Who's, who's a friend? Sean. You know, are you listening? I doubt it, mate. But if you are... <laughs> probably too busy... Helping out. Helping people. Helping lives. the community. You know. Mm. Studying the Dewey Decimal System. Mm. Appreciate the crap out of that. Yeah. All of that. Final end of D for Dempsey. Dempsey. <laughs> 
At number 43, this is Silver Chow with Emotion Sickness. Do you have some feels about this next song, Adam? No. <laughs> <laughs> in the 1999 Hottest 100 with the opening track from their third studio album Neon Ballroom. The song is Emotion Sickness. It features the Sydney Symphony Orchestra and it features piano from David Helfgott. It does. The classical composer uh, best known for his portrayal in the 1995 movie Shine starring nobody. <laughs> Doesn't matter really. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. Erupt again. So yeah, we're in we're in neon ballroom era silver chair. Look at this. This is the first song on this album, and this was also the first single that they released. And I believe that there wasn't a radio edit. The full six minutes of this was released as a single, and this is the longest silver chair song um, at this point. Um, you know, yeah. And just a they would, huge. They would top it on their last album. Yeah, uh, with uh, those thieving birds. Of course, yeah. And I've often said that the beauty of going through Silverchair's discography is just how much Daniel Johns shows up as himself to music and yeah. presents himself where he's at in his music. In Frog Stomp, the first album, it's very much just a bunch of kids getting together in their garage and writing a bunch of songs that you'd expect kids to and having fun with music in that way and just being big fans of Nirvana. In Freak Show, it's still kind of that, but we're starting to see a little bit of darkness creeping in, but we also get the sense that they're trying to keep a lid on that to some extent. We're, we're, we're disguising it with irony. We're writing songs like Freak. This... Well, don't forget the, um, the interim point there. The, the Godzilla. Untitled track, the untitled track from Godzilla. Right. Right in between these two. Right. And, and that is, you know, like a deeply kind of sad song. And, as, and I said when I we s- talked about that... A sign of things to come. Absolutely. For, for his songwriting and also his mental state. And like, 
those two things, this is exactly what I'm saying, those two things are linked, and they always have been. He's gone on record talking about how songwriting for him is a kind of therapy. But also, the thing that blows my mind is him saying that at this time he hated writing music. But think of it from his point of view. Like, you go from being a goddamn teenager mucking about with your friends to the media calling you Australia's Nirvana. Yeah. He's a young lad here. He's he's Mm. barely an adult. Yeah. And he's got the weight of the fucking Australian music industry, popular and alternative, telling him that he's brilliant and that they can't wait for him to write more and he's the next big thing and he's so handsome and he's just incredible. That would be a fucking weight, man. That would hurt. And And this is his revenge. Right? That's kind of kind of how I see it. This, yeah, he was this 19 f- when he made this record. Yeah, get Jesus out of town. Christ. All right. Third album at 19, you know. Similar so, to Ben Lee, actually. Yeah. So I, I see this song partly in context as being like, here, deal with this, because I have to. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is my pain. I want you guys to kind of see that. Like, and there's, and there's kind of a little bit of malice to it. Even at the same time, as it's just kind of beautifully immaculately and kind of sophisticatedly crafted. Sure, this is a luxury penthouse, but it's filled with fucking wolves. He did, um, do you remember Enough Rope with Andrew Denton? I do, yeah. Yeah, so he went on that in 2004. He was talking about how at this, this whole album was kind of made at a time where, you know, he just kind of hated everything. Like, he, you know, was having this body dysmorphia and he, like felt sick thinking about eating and food and stuff like that and so that was playing on his mind and everything that he was writing musically was kind of in, in out of this place of spite because he hated music look at what it had done to him it had sent him you know around the world for fucking sixpence and he'd come back feeling just broken and destroyed by it but instead of taking a break he persevered, he pushed through and made this record. Yeah. Like, he had to make this record, you know? And you can feel a lot of that pain and that torture in the music, and particularly in a song like Emotion Sickness. Like, Jesus Christ, that that bridge where he just screams, get up, like, just over and over. Like, do you think I had any comprehension of any of this as a kid? I recently revisited this record and I wrote about it on a 20-year anniversary piece for Junkie. And, like, writing about this record, like, really gave me a newfound appreciation of just, like, the perspective and the fucking pain and the anguish that goes into this record. Like, he's just, for lack of a better term, spilling his guts out on every track. Yeah. Um, It's very much a song about his experience with depression and particularly trying to fight with depression at the same time as not not treating it with medication. And for me personally, like, this song helped me understand depression better. And this song, at the time that I heard it in high school in particular, helped me understand the kind of depression that I was feeling at that time, which is very, was very, very different then. It felt big and turbulent and like this maelstrom inside me. And what I heard reflected in the music, that was probably the clearest illustration I had. And I didn't have the kind of tools or self-awareness to be able to kind of grapple with it myself. But I heard Mm. it in this song and I went, oh, right. I kind of understand what I'm feeling more now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm hearing it in this. And also at the same time that it gave me that zoom out and allowed me to kind of uh, see things better uh, in terms of myself. It also gave me the perspective that, oh, right, someone wrote this song, so this is obviously a shared thing. It's it a isn't just me. Mm. I'm not, I'm not this alone. Happens. This, is, this, this happens. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, uh, what I love 
about this song is that with like the orchestral elements and the piano, so often when bands incorporate this when it's not part of their usual wheelhouse, they stand out as flourishes amongst a rock song. Yep. But in this, it's almost the rock is a flourish amongst an orchestral piece. Yeah. Like, the yeah. rock is mean and it's brilliant and the drumming is terrific and oh, so Daniel wails on the guitar like he does and it all works. But yeah. it almost feels like if you removed every other part of it and just had the strings and Helfgott's piano, it would still be a beautiful and emotional piece of music. Yeah. The whole oh, thing Helfgott works. sounds amazing Helfgott's on, on this. Fire. Yeah. yeah um, Even, like, I had no comprehension of, like, what piano was like or who David Helfgott was at the time. But, you know, just hearing the way he played, I was like, oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I wanted to single out some lyrics and obviously all of them you could just re- recite them as poetry but the one I really love uh, the do you know what I'm going to say I want to see if it's I want to say the, um, increase, delete, escape, defeat it's all that matters to you cotton case for an iron pill distorted eyes when everything is clearly dying yeah that we've said this on the podcast before and it's not anything like that anybody should ever ever be ashamed of but like we've all like I've spent on this like my own struggles with uh, depression and mm. like suicidal tendencies and stuff say a, a cotton case for an iron pill is so like the when you are trying to treat your mental health issues and no matter how you do them it, whether it, whether that's through what you think is your own mindfulness that you can do it without help or if you're cognitive behavioral therapy or indeed with medication yeah like a cotton case for an iron pill is the turn of phrase that like the kind of thing that you like I wish I'd written that one. That one, yeah, that totally. one's good. Cool. But this is ex- connects exactly to the experience I had in high school yeah. with this song because I heard those lines and it, it made sense in a way that it was just so, so clear what he was talking about. Yeah. And so, so clear the particular kind of experience within that that he was talking about. And like that was the real thing that I, I connected into. It's like, I, because it, even for me, there was a time where I knew this song before I you know, really had a strong experience with depression. Yeah. And I appreciated it on a musical level. And then all of a sudden, one day, when I was not doing so great, I put it on again and I went, I suddenly understand perfectly what you're talking about. When you say addicts with no heroin, I know exactly what that Mm. means. Like, I am compelled towards feeling this way and there is no high. Yeah. Mm. And to express it so succinctly and so beautifully... uh, as he does in this track. Yeah. um, And to, like, have such an intensity kind of around it like it is it's pure catharsis from a very like laser focused kind of way in yeah. terms of talking about that experience but yeah. it, it, it's truly like fuck you're miserable yeah. like you're like yeah. it, 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 it's, it's not like like when we spoke um last week about um coffee and TV we're like overcoming yeah. alcoholism there and like that, that there's there, that you we said there, there was a sense of I'll get through this. Yep. It's a step forward. This is like I'm not sure he's going to get through this, this is fully is. right. It, it's fully yeah. right. and like I'm glad he's not in this position now. You hear this song; it's kind of it sounds like the song, the song someone would write before they killed themselves. That like, get up section is too sharp. It's it's, fu- it's it, fucking it, miserable. It's, it's, it's very it's, real. It's, it's it like even now I find that get up section really kind of hard to listen to. Yeah, it's, 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 it cuts it's too, it's too raw. close to the bone. It's man. so raw. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly the thing. And like at the time, a few music reviewers kind of said that you know like oh it, it, this is a bit over dramatic a bit melodramatic as a kind of song but it's like yeah. oh. they're still dismissing them for just being kids you know mm. right mm. right uh, which to me is just kind of like lacking in empathy if, if nothing else because like yeah. this is that's how that's how you feel depression as a 19 year old yeah. yeah you know and, what I mean and yeah. I think it kind of like back to what you're saying like it's it feels like a bit of revenge it's like yeah. if you're putting people through this machine and you want them to make art that is so sincere and it's like this is the end of that 
yeah. train of thought. Like you're gonna get to you're gonna get to material that is really uncomfortable to listen to because you as an industry are pushing people to sincerity. To yeah. to like to really extreme places and then asking them to be really like candid and sincere and, and eloquent about what that place is like. Complaints about things being melodramatic or overblown, much like complaints about things being pretentious. Why should people have restraint in their ideas? Why is it bad to create a maelstrom of emotion that you might see as overblown with the strings or whatever like that? Why would you denigrate that? That someone would dare to shoot high. In the terms of composition of this song, he's really reaching and the band are really reaching. Why would you fucking complain about that? They're really stretching their arms here. I mean, this is clearly one of my favorite Silverchair songs and one of the most important Mine songs too. that I've yeah. encountered in my entire life. Yeah. For sure. Um, even looking back on it and reflecting it on it as I have been to talk about it today, the biggest weapon that I've developed for myself in terms of like keeping myself even keeled and you know dealing with mental illness on a day-to-day basis is self-awareness. Yeah. And knowing where I'm at. And if it started here, then how much debt do I owe to this song? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. This is this is the new depression level song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to bring that up. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, the, <laughs> if you can't tell it, uh, the, the horny level still remains Beck's sex laws. Absolutely. And genius level is still... Oh, no. Was it oh, wrong? It, oh. Was, it was Moby. It oh, was no. Moby. We don't have a genius level song. We don't have a genius level song. Nobody. There's no genius level. Natalie Portman. We, we will, yes. Yes. We, <laughs> Nat- Natalie Portman is genius level. Honorary Natalie Portman. Depression level genius is level. silver chair. Sex... Horny level is back. <laughs> oh God! We did that, by I, the way. Like uh, we we cancelled Moby before yeah, it was yeah. cool. We did it, baby. Yeah. It's all yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I want to bring up uh, David Helfgott's relationship with Daniel Johns and like the kind of parallels in Jeff Actor's book Tomorrow Never Knows. He talks about how every time David Helfgott would sit down to record the piano for Emotion Sickness and he'd hear the track again, he'd just sit there and he'd go, "All right, off we go again." off into music land and then he would start playing piano and they were just like fuck we wish we'd had that recorded because that would have been the perfect way to start the record Uh, but it also made me think both of these guys you know obviously have a a, you know difficult past in terms of their own mental struggles and you know their conflicts of like hitting a huge degree of success at a young age and you know having not having the coping mechanisms for that and the way that they've both used music to keep themselves you know kind of down to earth and like grounded in some way shape or form so yeah I think bringing in David Helfgott like as the as the pianist for this song like says uh, a lot more than you know I initially thought it was I was just like oh yeah. it's the guy from Shine you know that's mm-hmm. cool but then I realised those parallels between the two of them yeah. and yeah. I, I think it, it drives the so- song home a lot more for me for I, re- sure. I really wonder how that composition went because um, I've I listened to quite a few uh, live performances of Helfgott. Yeah, he's he's famously erratic with his yeah. rhythming. Like, and he's like, I, I strongly have recommend so many takes. Of takes it. Like, of it, he yeah. would have done so many different versions of that. Exactly yeah. right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and honestly, uh, listen to just, if you um, this is not related to Silverchair at all. But if you do want to check out David Helfgott, um, he tours like nationally in Australia, like every year or so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, right. But he um, does recital halls and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, but cool. it, it just go on YouTube and look. Like, I was watching. There was one from his birthday from last year where he does a performance of Muscovat's "A Walk Through a Russian Gallery." You watch that and like 
He's physical. He's an old man now, but he's super physical with his piano playing. Like he grunts and he moans when he yeah. like plays along kind of thing like that. He really works his way into the piano and his rhythming is really choppy, which he's received some criticism from like really conservative classical music circles, un- unsurprisingly. Check out some of his performances on YouTube. He's a really engaging performer, even if you don't like classical music. I think you'll get something out of Helcott. Definitely. And this is not definitely not the last we'll hear from Neon Ballroom. So <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll be dancing here once again oh, very, very soon. And number 42, this is Custard with Ringo, I feel like. I, it doesn't, I, I don't yeah. know why they wrote it that way. It's fucking, well, you did well, it's fucking weird. Yeah, that works. Yeah. I feel like Ringo, and it's ripping my eyes out. And I feel like Shimmy to the left, shimmy to the right. I've made up. Coming in at number 42 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That's a song called Ringo. I feel like. Uh, Nathan, you're our resident custard man. Mm. You used to have a lot of custard in high school, didn't you? Was that you? <laughs> I don't think I had a lot. <laughs> but, 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 but you would like buy a carton and have a carton of custard, yeah? I think I'd done that. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of custard. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Is, it, yeah. is it true that you used to smash them together like Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> and just guzzle them down? That it is not be, true. Oh. That would be beautifully gross. Because the thing is, you'd smash them together and then you'd hold them up and it'd be a, it'd be a hot minute before any custard got to your mouth. Yeah. It's not like beer where it comes yeah. out immediately. Stone Cold yeah. Steve Custard. Yeah. Good um, <laughs> so, uh, that like sounds like a, um, a product. We all lead busy lives, that's for sure. That's why we have hot minute custard. <laughs> As a busy mum, I don't have time to prepare to custard. Make a whole custard. To make a whole so custard. Make hot minute custard. Just whack it in the, in the microwave. And it's just as good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So, sorry to out your fictional diet. It's you fine. Have it, this, um, that's the palate cleanse we need. <laughs> I was like, I don't really want to talk about it. I was like, fun songs are silly. <laughs> Not worth it, I think. <laughs> But this is a fun song and it is good. I yeah, think. real good. I was never super into this song. Getting into custard in whenever I got like uni or whatever. Teenager. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this is you know this is kind of one of the bigger singles. And I was always like I never like always listen to Apartment over this song. Bit, bit you know? more electric than you'd be expecting from custard. I guess or? yeah, and a bit more like you know funk kind yeah. of weird. But but over time it's really grown on me. Like it's very very charming, which I think mm. you know custard do very well. Cusk. And Dave obviously the bit where he's like, hey listen kids, like it's it's just kind of wonderful. It is right. This is the okay. most fun I've had with a custard song since Apartment. Yeah, it's easy. Because nice. the last couple, as as is documented, I haven't really been a fan. Yeah, yeah. Of. I, I, I off it, custard. If, if you can, if you can <laughs> listen to the, him do the shimmy to the left, shimmy to the right, and not get a groove on, yeah. that's that's insane, man. Yeah. This song to me, this is like Australian pulp. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Really? Interesting. Like, like this pop makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. You can follow what their songs are about. I yeah. love that you can't in you this can't, song. Though. Yeah, yeah. I got no fucking idea what yeah, you're is, trying is to say. Is it here, about man. Ringo Starr? I think it is. Yeah. 
No, it's about that other famous Ringo. <laughs> but but there's nothing else in the song that is like, oh right, yeah, Ringo always like went to the disco and then went home to the suburbs. Like that's not a like thing that he's known for. Like yeah, the the thing about it is is like that's I'm a great sh- line though. I'm <laughs> sure the song. I'm sure the songwriting makes sense to Dave. But we just can't see the working. Yeah. Well, and I love that. That, that. That's like, for a long time, that was like my favorite kind of songwriting. You have yeah. the whole thing, you strip away the unnecessary things. It's like cake do it a lot. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Man, is it custard pulp cake? We've got a balance nutritious breakfast here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would definitely shotgun a cake. Yeah. And, and just like all this stuff about the list in his mind that he's referring to, just like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just delightful, groovy kind of disco fun. I, I loved this. I yeah, this, is, this fun. is fun as hell. Like, it's impossible to be unhappy listening to this song. It's one of those types. Yeah. Dave, he's everyone's dad. He, you go to the Sing show it to me, kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He loves it. Even then, you know, like, he was, pl- he was playing that up ironically, but now he can literally do that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's in that kind of Tim Rogers, Tex Perkins kind of level, just everyone's dad, you know? Well, is, isn't he um the voice in... Oh yeah, the cheese, on, he's on a voice a in a children's cartoon. Oh yeah, yeah. He's the, he, so he, and he, like, he wasn't he's... though at the time. No, 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 because no, that would have that would have been a feels like Ringo because Ringo Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, that would have oh. been really clever. Oh. But it was foreshadowing. Yeah, wow. Because we talking that about him on here. Genius. We gave him the hottest bum. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna quickly add it to Wikipedia. <laughs> Get banned from Wikipedia again. There's, there's something <laughs> really again. The term hottest bump. Something really wonderful, just in terms of like, it's very hard to figure out what the song's about. I'm sure people are listening, being like, "No, it isn't." Yeah. But like <laughs> the gang vocals being like, "I feel like Ringo," and I'm like, "I don't know why." Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else I'm, is in on this because I'm a star. <laughs> is that it? I don't know. It, like I thought that's it. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's just that. It could be like a um. Because, you know, we talked about hit song, right? Maybe it's a case of Custard are... Yeah, they're a popular band, but they're a pop, still just a popular band but in they're Australia. The Ringo. They're the yeah. biggest Ringo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're like, in the right place at the right yeah. time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's get, like, like that. Going to the disco, that's good, but then, like, I don't live in the city, I head back to the burbs. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that tracks. That tracks. It's like... We, uh, we, we it's, nail it all by ourselves. <laughs> we're so clever. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, we're good. <laughs> I yeah. wonder what else we know. Five star everything. <laughs> Look, we don't, know, we don't know what version of things are, but when you give us the right version, we'll figure uh, it out. Yeah. That's it, baby. We used up all of our, our um, smart points talking about Silverchair. <laughs> and now idiots. we're just dummy. Yeah. Yeah. We on some dumb yeah. shit. Yeah. This would have been a real moment in the barbecue, though. Like, oh, on yeah. the day of, like, after... Yeah. After that silver, silver chair. chair song, I think everyone needs a yeah. dance. Yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah. needs to shimmy Emotion to the right. Emotion sickness yeah. filled the pool with tears, and now you can cannonball yeah. into the pool. <laughs> All right, well, let's see how this one goes down at the barbecue. At number 41, it's The Living End with All Torn Down. Guitar, please.
Living End coming in at number 41 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That's all torn down. It is yet another part of what is objectively one of the greatest A-sides in the history of Australian rock music. That's my triple M voice. <laughs> you got the job. Thank you. We're giving away Kings of Leon tickets at noon. All you've got to do is find out where Mac is hiding. He's somewhere in Marrickville Metro. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> He's there I right do, now. I do my shopping there sometimes. I don't want to make a Lining up. I don't want to accidentally end up with Kings of Leon tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, oh no! Oh great, now i got to be responsible for these Kings of Leon tickets. It'd be great to see Macca in the line for the self checkout and he's pissing about with it and just walk up to him and do the Get on with it, Macca! <laughs> <laughs> this might come as a shock to some of the pe- some of these people in the room, but I've grown up with this album and I fucking love every single song on it, and I know every single word back to front. Yeah, but uh, this song though. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this yeah. one's fucking shit. Yeah. I hadn't heard this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course you hadn't. We use up all the points on Zilvajer, we said. Yeah, 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 there it is, there yeah, it no. is, there it is. This song rules, obviously. Oh, it fucking whips absolute fucking balls. Like, everything, the shit hot guitar, the this fucking Scar upstrokes fucking getting me rock hard. Is this a Scar song? No, Technically. No, Do we no. need to put a warning at the beginning of this episode? No, there's no Scar, it's okay. It does have all these incredible working parts, but... Man, the one that always gets me is that B minor key change. Oh, that is the best key change. That it is the best one. Originally, oh. this, originally, you know, it, like most of the song is in C sharp minor, and then it transposes to the relative major, which is E major for the chorus, and then it goes right back to the C sharp minor. But then it goes right down to B minor for no reason and just for that little bit. But if, every time I'm just like, yeah, yes, <laughs> that's sick. It's the most hype thing. Gets my fucking heart pumping. Well, it's gonna really let you know that you've got no reason. Yeah. It wasn't clear, and then it happened. Then they key changed. And I'm like, another, oh, another great instance of Scott Owen being the best yeller, mm. not the best singer, but <laughs> absolutely the best yeller in Australian music. Oi, gotta raise it. Oi, this is absolutely one of like the like the end of the set list songs because you know everyone's gonna be screaming along mm. to that. Got no reason. Yeah, and it's so it's so just well. having that key change kind of like pivot around the vocals like and having mm. two sets of vocals going at the same time over the top of it and you get that moment of reprieve the huge drums and then <sighs> it's just magnificent it's magnificent. fucking great truly amore obviously a song you know quite clear in the subject matter about what it's, it's very about very nimby real nimby anthem <laughs> don't you develop my suburb yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. don't you spoil my view with some low cost housing <laughs> you better not but it's good. It's it's kind of like in the same way that uh, West End Riot, like it's talking about political stuff, but it's, it's just kind of just a song about a city. and, I mean, and It's about life, right? Yeah. It's like it's, it doesn't, yeah. It's just good writing. It's my understanding that the city isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Kind it's, of like the old grey mare, if you will. Every single that the Living End released from this album has is, is going to yeah. make it in or has made it in. Because they're all that yeah. good. Like, yep. yeah. That, that record is just a stone cold stunner. Absolutely. Of cussers. Yeah. Of cussers. <laughs> hmm. 
brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. And thanks to Girling for just ruining our lives. <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites and continue that ever-continuing story of carryover champ and carryover chump. Adam, mm-hmm. I've got a feeling. Yeah, you do. And it's a sad feeling. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, my new fave. Uh, and carryover champ is Emotion Sickness by Silverchair. Yup. Yes. Um, my least favorite was Enter Space Capsule because never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Literally. Uh, yeah. My chump remains Ben Harper. Yeah, my, my fave. I'm um, giving it to Emotion Sickness as well. Mm-hmm. S- spectacular song. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't quite give it my champ because the nostalgia of also Friends of Arms were going out tonight are fused to my skull. But That's this fair, is man. a beautiful, beautiful masterpiece of depression um, least favourite uh, girling both versions of it that I heard uh, would be my fifth fa- would be my fifth favourite of these five but that's honestly because the rest of the songs are all very fucking good songs so my chum easily remains the Bob Marley remix thing ditto from me on uh, Motion Sickness I'm going to make that my carryover champ as well you. Uh, and I really don't want to do a least favourite uh, I guess it has to be Ringo but even though I really love Ringo yeah no way is it worse than Sun is Shining yeah, I was going to say Emotion Sickness is his favourite. It's a very strong episode, mm. um, which is nice. Oh, look, why not? I, you know, in solidarity with Adam, and so I'm going to make it my new champ. Hey, hey there we go. Yeah. yeah. Girling, fifth best, um, but it's not as bad as um, Every Morning. I, I just I, I remember as a tally, uh, the depression level song is, of course, a silver chair with Emotion Sickness speaks for itself um, a horny level song is still Beck with Sex Laws yep. and genius level song is uh, Natalie Portman actor <laughs> and philanthropist and philanthropist yes and occasional just, rapper occasional rapper she's a good rapper she don't, she don't sleep motherfucker no. that's some good shit on behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher see ya Mr. Nathan Harrison bye Mr. Andrew McDonald good night and Ms. Natalie Portman mine <laughs> <laughs> Jack's, been, Jack's been in the studio with us. He'll say hello, Jack. Hey. Um, I also have never dated Moby. <laughs> let's, see what, let's see what Moby says about that. Oh, boy. <laughs> My name is David James Young. Everything except Moby is good for you. Damn, Natalie. You a crazy chick. Yo, shut the f*** up and